So yesterday morning I got up and, and I was thinking, um, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord, um, just in praying, seeking Him, and just re- reading, uh, picking up where I where I left off the, the night before, or the day before. And uh, so I'm starting off in Isaiah chapter 6. And just as I get done praying, and, uh, and I'm about to get into God's Word, I hear little pitter-patter of little feet smacking the ground as a little one's coming down the hallway. <laughs> no doubt led by the light that was in the back room. And, uh, and our granddaughter, Audrey, peeks around the corner. She's four, but thinks she's 14. <laughs> and uh, she, uh, you know, she greets me and um, she asked me what I was doing, and I told her I'm, I'm reading, and I'm just spending some time with the Lord. And um, so she came over, and, um, and I told her to go away and to leave me alone. And No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Would you ever do that to your grandchildren? No, right? No, and so she jumped up on my lap, and she sat there. And, um, and so she started, so this is the question that she asked because I told her, you know, well, I'm, I'm about to read the Bible. I'm about to read the Bible. And her question, why do you read the Bible? Good question. Why do you read the Bible? Well, I read it to spend time with the Lord. Uh, I read the Bible because I, I want to know him better. Uh, I read the Bible to be reminded of how much he he loves me. I read the Bible because I want to know God's wisdom. I want to have that, that I would deal with things on a daily basis in a way that is fitting, that is right. You know, I want to have that kind of an understanding of how to interact and how to face problems in my in my life in every day. And, um, and so, of course, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, she was, she was taking it all in. But it, it made me think, because sometimes we, we treat the time of prayer and spending time with the Lord in kind of a, a dutiful way. Like, it's just duty, you know, it's just something, it's just something we do every day. But do we truly meditate on the Word of God and, and understand what it is? It, it's something significant. It's something very important that we do. It's not just something that we go through and, okay, I, I did it. I'm closer to my goal of reading the whole Bible in one year. Um, you know, it, it's not that. It's so much more. It's like that time that the Lord spent with Adam in the, in the cool of the day um, with, you know, with, with the Lord. It's, it's this intimate time of fellowship. It's getting to know him. And uh, so I was thinking about that. And, and then she said this, Jeepa, can, can you read to me? course I can. Let's read. So it starts off like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And so I was able to read that and as it continues on in chapter 6. And, and it, it's just, it's something that we should always um, take advantage of, the opportunity that we have to train up our children in the way they should go. Um, as the day progressed and Bettina came back from prayer, uh, she was teaching Caleb and Audrey all about the fruit of the Spirit. And so Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Which brings us to Proverbs 22.6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we have, you know, we had this beautiful day yesterday where we were able to pour into our grandchildren and uh, and pray that that very word that we're sharing with them um, is embedded in their hearts down deep and uh, that they one day will remember that um, to benefit them, to bless them, and to glorify the Lord, that they may remember just how much God loves them. And really that's what's most important, to come to the realization uh, of how much God loves us and how he loved us by sending his only begotten to the cross for you and I. And um, so, you know, every day we should look to make the best use of it. And uh, this, is, this day is no different. Uh, yesterday is past. We can't do anything about that except for confess and repent of the things that shame the Lord. Uh, tomorrow's not here yet, and today has its own worries, right? Today we ought to make the best use of it. And, uh, and, and it may it be all to the glory of God. Now, every day is filled with situations that can build your character or serve to expose it. Think about that. Every day is an opportunity because it's filled with situations that can build your character or serve to expose it. Possessing knowledge of God's word, that is the truth, and understanding how to use it serves to guide a person in such a way that they can wisely, wisely face everything that comes against them in life every day and, of course, rise above it. We can be wise in the things and ways of the world, but lack in our understanding of how we are to handle situations in a godly way because we lack knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God, to study it, and then to pray, to meditate on the very Word of God. Well, In the Bible, there are many examples, many examples of how our awesome and loving God provided his perfect knowledge to us so that we would know how much he loves us, as I said earlier, who he is and how we can deal with everyday life. That's what's beautiful about God's word. We can look to God's word and and he teaches us how to deal with everyday situations in a way that blesses him with wisdom beyond our years. I mean, I know small kids, young kids, who unfortunately have 
more wisdom than some older folks. You know, some just basic understandings of God's truth and how to apply it. It's interesting how sometimes as we get older, we, we get stuck in our own ways and we think that our own knowledge apart from God is something of value when it's not. It's not. But he directs us. He guides us. He loves us, loved us, and will continue to guide us and direct us if we seek his word, his truth in our lives for the, days we, for the things that we deal with. All we have to do is read, study, and meditate on the word of God, which in Psalms chapter 1 has the, 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 uh, the psalmist writes this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Who can tell me, what Psalm 119.11 says. Anybody? This is interactive now. <laughs> Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? How about um, Psalm 119.105? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to... My path, your word, your word, very word. Oh, the benefits of knowing God's word, meditating on it, knowing it and applying it to our lives. Now, Job, whom we will take a look at this morning, Job is a wonderful example of a father who knew how to lead his family and one that we can learn much from. We can learn to lead by the leadership that we find In Job, one of the best ways we can learn is by observation. How someone handles situations teaches observers so much. You know, we can learn in the classroom, but once we go out to the field and we start applying, normally what we do is is we observe someone else doing that very thing that we were taught in the classroom. That's uh, at that point, it's kind of it's theory, right? It's not applied knowledge. But at some point we go out into the field, we observe someone else doing that very thing. And, and, then, and then they have us come alongside. This is what Jesus did, right? He taught his disciples. Then he went out. He was the example. And then he started sending them out, right? It's the it's very same thing. You learn so much by observing. And then you learn the most, though, by doing. Uh, we're not successful all the time, but, but, there are, but through failures, we learn. Just... Uh, especially young young people, learn this. It is not bad to fail. It is not. In fact, you learn through failure. You fail, you learn, you correct, and you do it again. You know, there's that saying, get back on the horse, get back up on the horse, get back up on the horse. You fail, you've fallen. You get back up, you correct, you keep going, and you learn so much by it. You want to learn a lot? Teach. That's how you learn. You get asked questions. You fail yourself, and you continue to learn and build and continue to grow. So one of the best ways we can learn is by observation. How someone handles situations teaches observers much. And with Job, we will see how he handles love, loss, health, and counsel. 
counsel, we know it came at him, um, which was not so good. And then other counsel, of course, was perfect as the Lord gave him counsel. But we'll see how God gave, gives him counsel. Okay, let's learn about love. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So we know by what we just read that Job was a righteous man. Um, He always sought to do right in the eyes of the Lord. He was an upstanding man, a man of truth. Um, Job had um, seven sons, three daughters. He was wealthy is what we know by what he possessed as far as his livestock were concerned and all of his servants. There was none that was greater than him. And so we know that by what we read, um, he had a big family and he was very wealthy. And as their father, this, this is what after, you know, wealth is one thing, right? But he had seven sons and three daughters. And here's what we learn. And he was a father that was concerned for the state of the heart of his children, above all. Above all. He he wanted them to have a good standing before God. Verse 4 again says his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. That's their birthday, right? Let's get together and let's let's celebrate their their day. And so they would get together and and celebrate. But verse 5 says, and when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of, of them all. Right? Because his concern was, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Those, thus Job did continually. In other words, there wasn't a moment where they weren't gathering together and he didn't make sure that he did this on their behalf. So number one. May this be an encouragement to us, each and every one of us. This father rose early. He would rise with purpose and intention. It wasn't just, you know, I'm just getting up early because I can't sleep anymore. No, he rose up early with purpose and intention. That's very important for us to do, especially as fathers. We need pastors and priests in our home who are willing to be the head and covering for our family. We need that. Men, rise up and be counted for. This is a great example of Job rising up early with the purpose and intention for his family. Because we see here how, secondly, he rose up early to consecrate his family fully to the Lord. To set them aside. To intercede on their behalf. To to set them aside... They're yours, Lord. I want to make sure that they're set aside for you and your glory. Oh, that we would be like Hannah that was 
made a promise, a vow to the Lord that if perhaps you give me a son, I will completely consecrate him to you. You know, we think sometimes that our sons and daughters belong to us. No, we are stewards of our sons and daughters. And our greatest desire should be to consecrate them unto the Lord. Lord, they're all yours. I pray that, that they would be set aside for your glory, your purpose, whatever it is that you want to do. Lord, use them to bless you. He would deliberately and with full knowledge separate his family unto the Lord. Notice that his intention was not to separate them unto himself, but unto the Father himself. Not, not to me. I mean, no matter what my boys are doing, I, like I miss, we miss Christopher dearly. He's in Japan. There's nothing we can do about it. He's serving our country there. But our greatest desire and what we pray daily, daily, is that he would draw close to the Lord, that he would know Jesus intimately above all. We consecrate them unto the Lord, all our boys. We wouldn't want anything less. If they would absolutely despise us, it wouldn't matter matter as long as they love the Lord. But you can't despise your parents, you know. You couldn't do that knowingly and uh, and love the Lord at the same time. We, we can read what John wrote and know that to be a fact. You can't hate your brother and love the Lord because the Bible tells us that we're, we're liars if we do that, right? But for us, I mean, is that not our heart's desire that our children would walk with the Lord, walk in the, his truth? Absolutely, right? And so this is what we have before us. Job was that example. Consecrate, consecrate. Put them aside, lay them aside, Give them unto the Lord one more time and cover them. Pray for them. Intercede on their behalf. As much as we love them, we need to teach them and show them what a relationship with our Lord looks like in order to consecrate them. Remember, it's just not just by words, but by deeds, by the things that we do every day. Because people learn by observation. And so they need to see what a relationship with the Lord looks like every day. Practically speaking, how is it that you apply that knowledge, that that Bible that you read every day? How are you applying it to your life? Is there is there any evidence of it in your life? Is there any fruit? It, it should be evident. It should be obvious. So. We see this example. He consecrated them unto the Lord. Separate, separate them unto the Lord. Remember that an example of what is said and taught reinforces and strengthens the learner, but confuses when they don't line up. When they don't line up, it, there's confusion. And it actually undermines the lessons taught, whether they're right or, or not. So there's confusion. It's like you teach, right? But then what you do is it's not lining up with what you're teaching well, it, it undermines the very thing that you desire for them to learn, right? Does that make sense? All right. Number three, sacrifice on their behalf. Job's concern was his children's position in their hearts toward God. And he did everything he could to make sure that they knew where his trust and his service remained. His action served as an example to follow in a relationship to know and keep. So again, he was the, the example, right? Third John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so the greatest way that we, we can help them know that is by we ourselves 
sacrificing unto the Lord and living for him. And, and sometimes they think it's to their expense. It's not. It's, it's for their benefit that we serve the Lord sacrificially unto the Lord, whatever it is that glorifies him. Now, Job knew that to love his children was to set them apart unto the Lord and do everything he could to show them his love for God by word and action. And so we first and foremost see this great example of love. Number one, Job's example of his love for God. Secondly, how did he handle loss? Job chapter 1 verse 20, as we continue says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And look at verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Now, what happened between him having everything to this point, well, what happened is that in verses 6 through 19, Satan is allowed to test Job and he loses everything. His children, all of his wealth, everything is taken away. The only one that remains is his wife. That's it. His seven boys, his three girls, dead. All of his livestock, everything, done. It's gone, just like that. It is said that when everything is going good, it's easy to praise the Lord. Oh, with a big smile, right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you know. But it's hard. For some people, when things aren't going so well, to say the same thing. Instead, we, we start turning inward. We focus on ourselves. It's no longer praise the Lord. but It's, it's more like, Lord, what, what have you done to me? What have I done to you? And it shouldn't be that. It's when something is squeezed that its contents are exposed. Remember that I said earlier, and I want to say this again, every day is filled with situations that can build your character or serve to expose it. It's in times that we're squeezed that really what's inside comes out. No pressure, no reveal. Right? As fathers, we may have a tendency to protect our children also from everything, including difficult circumstances, but it is those times that can serve as the greatest teachers. And character builders. You know, I, uh, as we're going through Judges, uh, we, we learned on Wednesday how it is that the, the Lord grew impatient with uh, the children of Israel um, being oppressed. Right? And, and we know what comes next. There's great anticipation because he's going to deliver them. One, one more time, he's going to deliver them. But we also need to keep in mind that up to that point, he allowed them he allowed them to be oppressed. Why? Because of their own desires, because of the things that they insisted on, right? Seven idols we learned, seven, seven idols, they, learned, they, they uh, chose to follow instead of the Lord. They turned their back on the Lord, and, then, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And yet he grew impatient. As they cried out to him, number one, what he told them was no at this time to, de- to deliver them in this occasion. But they gathered together because they knew the character of God. And they knew, they, they've, they've cried out, they've repented. And, and now they're anticipating their deliverance. Our circumstances may pale in comparison to Job's situation, but they can nonetheless accomplish great things in the lives of our children. Remember, when we're in difficult circumstances, the pressures around us build up, and what's revealed is really should serve us. It's to help us understand and confess that, Lord, I agree. What I just saw come out of my life is wrong. And I confess it to you, and I repent, and I ask for your forgiveness. Now, in Job's situations, uh, situation, that produced great things. It really did. We may not understand why it is that the Lord allowed that, but he did. He is sovereign. He is God. We are not. We should always remember that. Always remember that. That's why it's important for us to get right before the Lord, because tomorrow is not promised. And we should realize that. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, first of all, Job acknowledged that nothing was eternally, quote-unquote, his. Secondly, Job did not blame God. We see this here. Number three, Job did not give up and give in to sin. He didn't, he didn't oh, okay, you know what, forget it. I'm giving up. I'm giving in. And that's it. I see a lot of people turn their back on the Lord because they're dealt with difficult circumstances. And they, you know what, forget you, God. You, you, uh, if you're God, then why did you allow this to happen? You know, as if, as if we were anybody to demand an answer from him. Remember who we are, right? Let us humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God. He is sovereign. We don't have all the answers, but we know this, that in him we can know salvation and we, we can know the hope of heaven. Make sure you tell as many people as you can that. And that salvation is known through Jesus Christ and no one other, right? And that they would come to salvation, that they would have the hope of heaven. So if tomorrow the Lord takes them home, he takes them truly home. And it's the same, the same for us. So this is a great example of how to deal with loss. So we see his love, and now we see a great example of how to deal with the loss. Thirdly, let's see about health. In Job chapter 2, verse 7, we read, um, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So Satan was again allowed to test Job. And this time it was his health. Uh, Satan thought that perhaps Job didn't curse God with loss of his family and riches, but he would if his health fails him, perhaps, uh, you know, you guarded him, guarded his health. And so he said, go ahead. He will not curse me. See, God knew his heart. 
Notice who it was that was encouraging Job to compromise. I want to point this out because I know that, you know, even as we read through, you know, we kind of have, you know, we kind of chuckle and we like shake our heads and we think, my goodness, you know, uh, who needs enemies when you have a wife like this, right? (laughs) But also, wives, be careful. Please be careful. You know, you, I've, I've said this before, you have such strong influence on us as your husbands. It matters what you say. So that's why it's so important for husband and wife to be in the word of God, to know the word of God, and to stand in his truth. That every day you encourage one another. That when one is weak, the other is strong and encourages the other. No, stand fast. Stay the course. Keep going. Do not give up. Keep going. Right? Because it's his wife that was encouraging. Go ahead and compromise. Curse God and die. You miserable man, you. We are most vulnerable to compromise because of those closest to us. We expose ourselves and we love them to the point where we believe that they have our best interests at heart. And when we give them that place that God should have in our lives, we're in trouble. We're in, we're in big trouble. Men, we're in trouble. When you give your wife the place that God should have in your life, he is your head. She is not. And I say that with great love, but with the truth. Okay? When he is our head and we're following him, then she is more secure and confident in following you. Even when it perhaps is not something that she would, you know, she's wanting you to do at the time, you know, she's more inclined to follow you when you're following the Lord. And you need to do that. Even when it gets her mad, upset, angry, she doesn't talk to you, right? But, but men, brothers, brothers do it lovingly as lovingly as you can okay lead your wives with gentleness and understanding do that and i say that to myself as well we need to do that so our loved ones we believe that they have our best interests at heart and that may be most of the time but not all of the time Our counsel always needs to come from the Lord through us for our wives, uh, for our children that we would lead. And and when we do that, we're guarding our hearts and our minds uh, from being led contrary to what the Lord has for us, according to his word. Job's wife was wishing for mercy on him. This is what she she was choosing for him. This is merciful. Just curse God and die, right? But Job wasn't budging because he knew cursing God was not an option for him. I'm not going to do it. There's no way I can go through all of this and I'll never curse God. He was not willing to lose his spiritual integrity and basically deny his God and blaspheme him. He was not willing to do that. Come what may, I will not do that, is what Job was thinking. Job recognized, and we know that he was thinking that because of what he said, not just because I perhaps thought what he was thinking. It's it's in the word. That's what he was thinking. Job recognized foolish speech and responded accordingly. In fact, he said, you talk as one of the foolish women. 
how to win friends and influence people, right? <laughs> no, but sometimes, again, just one of those things that's straightforward. This, this, is, this is what it sounds like. Job was saying that our circumstances do not undermine our integrity before God. We are to remain loyal and trusting in the Lord regardless of the circumstances that surround us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Oh, may we always keep that before us. In this way, nothing can shake us. Job faced the loss of wealth, family, and health, and responded with a wisdom that came from heaven, from knowing God. A confidence in the Lord that surpassed his present circumstances and a peace that surpasses all understanding. That was guarding his heart and his mind. So we have a great example of how to deal with bad health and the temptation to give up and give in through that situation. Now let's see about counsel fourth and lastly, counsel. Let's turn to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. You guys still with me? Yeah. Because that food did us no good. <clears throat> right now, there, this is a big job right now to keep you guys all awake. Like right here, eyes forward. <laughs> right? I understand. I almost fell asleep a few times here. I don't know if you noticed. No. <laughs> all right. So... Counsel, Job chapter 9, verse 1 says, Truly, then, oh, then Job answered and said, Truly I know that it is so, but how can a man be in the right before God? If one wished to contend with him, one could not answer him once in a thousand times. He is wise in his heart and mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? Good question, Job. Good question. But then let's go over. Well, first of all, let, let's start there, because Job, up to this point, he was accused by his friends of sin, not fearing God. So, accused of sin, number two, not fearing God. Number three, being punished uh, because of the wicked things that he was doing, uh, because they were implying, well, you know, God punishes the wicked. And also explaining that the wicked don't prosper, and that Job's, um, Job's <laughs> your wickedness is, is, is great. That's why all these things have happened to you. So in these verses, as Job responds, uh, he basically says, hey, listen, none compares to God. No one can contend, contend with him and succeed. Uh, that's a great answer. You know, I'm, I'm not going to demand an answer from the Lord. None compares to him. No one can contend with him and succeed. Job declares God's lordship in his life. It, it is well established and it remains intact. Although, again, Job is receiving bad advice from his closest friends. From those closest to him, you know, first his wife says, curse God and die. And now we have these wonderful friends who are offering this advice to him. And, you know, Job maintains his integrity toward God. Now, let's turn over to Job 13. Job 13, verse 1 says, Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. 
What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you, but I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue my case with God. As for you, you whitewash with lies. Worthless physicians are you all. Oh, that you would, be, you would keep silent, and it would be your wisdom. Hear now my argument, and listen to the pleadings of my lips. Will you speak falsely for God, and speak deceitfully for him? Will you show partiality toward him? Will you plead the case for God? Will it be well with you when he searches you out? Or can you deceive him as one deceives a man? He will surely rebuke you if in secret you show partiality. Will not his majesty terrify you and the dread of him fall upon you? Your maxims are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. They will not stand. They will be crushed. Um, They're dead. They're burned up. That, that is what you're, what you're offering to me. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. So this is Job's response to his friends. Job sees it all clearly. This is the wisdom that we ought to have, this discernment. As we know God's word, when we're offered this counsel, we should quickly discern whether it's good, sound, godly counsel, or whether it's, uh, it's, it's clay. It'll be crushed under any weight whatsoever. Kind of like that table I sat on earlier. I, I, I confess, I broke a TV stand, okay? It's been weighing heavy on my heart, but no. <laughs> I did. I sat down and I busted it. But we should have this discernment. We should have that discernment as we receive counsel. It's not because Job is smarter, but because he knows God. He knows God's character and who he is. Job's convictions are set and cannot be moved. Job's dialogue is with God and not them. Job's friends are identified as not helping. Why? Because they're not serving to lead Job to keep his eyes fixed on God, but to turn his attention on his circumstances and himself. Job knows, I, I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to curse God. And, and personally, I, I, I have a, a clear conscience. I, I haven't done anything before the Lord. I, I, I haven't, so... But God is sovereign, and he's my Lord, and so I stand in that. And that's it, period. I'm not moving from that. I'm discerning that what you're telling me right now is wrong. It's not right. It's not aligning with God's truth. And so Job's friends are even identified as speaking falsely for God. I mean, they go to the extent of, of putting themselves in that place to where they're, they're speaking on his behalf. A man who knows God's word and has nurtured a relationship with the Lord is not easily moved by anything or anyone. I'm going to remain here regardless of the circumstances or the people sometimes that, are, that I'm confronted with. They face everything and rise. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. A great example of establishing solid convictions of who God is and knowing his counsel stands above all counsel. In this we see as a wonderful thing to emulate in Job. 
as Job goes. He, he stood on God's truth, and, and he could discern. He saw this. He said, no, I'm not going to go that way. I just refuse to. So we see a great example of love, number one. Number two, a great example of how to deal with loss. Thirdly, a great example of how to deal with bad health and the temptation to give up and give in. We see a great example of establishing solid convictions of who God is and knowing his counsel stands above all counsel. Job faced his family with love, setting them apart unto the Lord, but at the same time not worshiping the family or else his response to the loss of his family would have been different. Job faced his possessions with great care and stewardship, but not worshiping it or them, or else his response to the loss of it all would have been different. Job faced his health with thankfulness, but didn't worship it, or else his response to its decline would have been different, but it wasn't. Job faced his friends with love, but did not worship them, or else his response to them would have been different also. This was Job's final answer to God in Job chapter 42, verse 1. Job 42, 1. His final response, his final answer to God. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And now he's, he's quoting the question that God had asked him earlier. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? <laughs> um, and then he, he answers. He says, therefore, I have, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Good confession, Job. Right? May that be our confession, too. Oh, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. May I instead go back to the counsel of God, his word, and stand in that. Not my, not my words, not my understanding, but his truth. That's it, period. Right? Here's another quote, because he's, he's quoting God. Here and I will speak, I will question you, and, and you make it known to me. This is great. This is God speaking to Job. He said... A couple times he said, gird up your loins like a man and answer me if you can. Oh, that would be good for us to have that spoken to us. Raul, at this moment, I'd like for you to gird up your loins like a man and answer me if you can. Because he went on verse after verse after verse after verse after verse telling Job, where were you? When the foundations of the world were laid, when all the stars were spread in the sky, when the expanse of the universe was laid out in the palm of my hand. Where were you? You know what Job's answer was? (laughs) Oh, may I put my hand over my My mouth and not not sleep anymore. (laughs) That's what his answer was. May I put my hand over my mouth? I'm not going to speak anymore. I have no words, right? It's beautiful when we get to this place, right here, this very place. 
And Job said in verse 5, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, right? Now, this is humility. This is humility right here. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words, in other words he's saying, I'm beginning to understand you, God. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I'm so sorry, God. You're God and I am not. This is the place, men, where we need to come to. Where we, we despise ourselves. Not think more of ourselves than what we ought to. But we despise ourselves and instead stand before a righteous and holy God in full repentance and asking him to fill us with his spirit and guide us and direct us according to his word and by the help and aid and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us. That's where we ought to stand, men. Ladies, it's the same for you. We need you to do that very thing. If you're here and you're single, you're not married yet, and you're praying, ladies, you're, you're praying for a husband, may you first and foremost be this person so that when the Lord does bring you a husband, that is an answer to your prayer for a godly and upstanding man before the Lord, that you yourself are a righteous and upstanding young lady, and vice versa, men, if you're praying for a woman, make sure that you yourself are this very thing, all right? That's what we need. That's what the world needs because it's dark and it's evil, and it needs light, God's light, his truth. Humble yourself before God, know his word, therefore, knowing his heart, his person, his lordship, responding accordingly, regardless of any circumstances you may experience. James 1, 2 through 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your patience produces, uh, uh, what's that? Perseverance, right? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, what we're seeking through our trials is a maturity in Christ. To handle situations in a way that is fitting for a child of God. As fathers, we need to learn to lead in godly ways. Get to know God and you will know what that should look like. Not only will you be better off, but so will your friends, your family, and everyone you come in contact with. And I don't want to leave this morning without telling you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Know this, Jesus went to the cross for you. He paid for your sins. That's where the power is, the shedding of his blood on the cross. How do you know salvation? By believing in him, the son of God who went to the cross for you. That he died for your sins. And as he died, he was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He did that for you. Do you believe in the son of God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us very clearly, and it's as simple as this, but it's difficult sometimes to understand when, when we still believe that it has to be by, by effort. It's not we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And when we, when we do, when we surrender our hearts to the Lord, he gives us a new heart, a new life, and gives us new desires. And it's very clear that, the, that Jesus is Lord of our lives because of the impact that he has on our lives. It just reflects. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, we begin to understand and desire the fruit of the Spirit because that blesses and glorifies the Lord. I pray that you do not leave here this morning if you don't know him by, number one, not getting to understand what salvation is, but perhaps even now surrendering your life to the Lord to know that you've been forgiven of your sins and given eternal life.
by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You simply cry out to him, uh, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Um, be my Lord, be my Savior, and help me to understand your love and help me to walk with you in a way that honors and glorifies you. May that all be our heart's desire. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, once more for the love that you have demonstrated to us. Father, this, Lord, not only this day, but every day is your day. Uh, because, uh, because of that love. For you so loved the world that you gave his only, your only begotten Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Lord, thank you for that eternal life. May we stand like Job in your truth and never waver, having spiritual integrity and blessing and honoring you. May we be humble before you, a holy and righteous God, and desire above all to bless and glorify you. Thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.